Hey there, lovely listener. Welcome to the Confidence Connection Podcast, your cozy corner for faith-powered confidence chats that are down-to-earth as your favorite pair of jeans. I'm Ashley Henriot, your go-to conversation partner for this fun, faith-filled journey. Now, we're not here for the holier-than-thou vibes, but to keep it real and relatable. Life's already a bit too serious, right? So why not sprinkle in some humor and some practical faith wisdom? I'm so excited that you chose to listen to the Confidence Connection podcast. Before we get into today's episode, don't forget to leave a rating, a review, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and anywhere you listen so you never miss an episode and you get to hang out with your girl every Tuesday. I want to personally invite you to our inner circle, a gathering of bold women ready to bring Jesus into their businesses their homes, and relationships. It's more than a community. It's a confidence revolution. Just swing by ashleyhenryout.com to grab your spot. I'm saving you a seat. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Confidence Connection, now called the Confidence Connection Podcast. I am here with my new friend, Katie, and she is fab. I love her. She looks fabulous, obviously. And what's really, really cool about Katie, not only... Um, is she married to a uh, NFL player, prior NFL player? I'm assuming that he's retired now. Um, Katie is a podcast host, an author, a wife. Um, and in her upcoming six session Bible study, she belongs, which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about finding your place in the body of Christ. Um, this is out now. This came out in August. And so I'm sure we will link it in the show notes for you guys to grab because Katie is powerful. She shares her own personal stories, struggles, triumphs, and the search for community. She takes readers on an epic journey to unlock the power and the blessings of being a part of the body of Christ. And you can bet Katie knows the deep longing for belonging And she's here to remind us that the secret to staying sane (laughs) is sticking to Christ. Katie, I'm so honored to connect with you. I'm so grateful to have you in the Confidence Connection community. You're obviously about community. And so I would love to talk to you about that, about your book that is out now. How's that going? Because I have one coming out next year, a fall next year. So, um, you know. How are you doing? Because I hear good things, bad things about launching books. Um, But other than the aspect of how you're doing, I would love to hear more about what was your motivation for writing this book and a little bit more about it. Well, congratulations. That is so exciting. (laughs) And And it's funny. It's probably hard for you to say it comes out next year. Like it feels like tomorrow, probably. It either feels like a really long wait or like, how can this all get done in a year? So I know that even where you are right now has to be (laughs) a little bit of all the feels. So, but congratulations, that's super exciting. And, you know, I think that book launches are always fun. My actually, my first Bible study launched on January 1st, 2021. And so we were just right in the middle of all the COVID stuff and we weren't able to really gather. And so the celebration for that launch happened online, which was wonderful that we got to do it at all. But I have been blessed this time getting to do it with people. It has been such a gift and such a joy 
to share the launch experience. And, and even now doing this with you today, you know, we were just figuring all of this stuff out a few years ago because COVID kind of helped us learn to connect through the like Zoom or, you know, social media, TikTok. Right. And so, um, I have really had a blessed experience. And one of the things to me that's always a blessing in a launch is being able to talk to people who have engaged with whatever it is that I've I've been writing about because I like to hear like what is God teaching you? What is where is he meeting you through this? And that's been one of the greatest blessings of this. And then the fact that it is on community, it's it's special that I get to do it with community. And so I love what you're doing here. I love this confidence uh, community that you're building and the connection that you so clearly desire. Um, you know, God has taught me a lot about community. And I wonder if he hasn't been teaching us all without us even realizing it through the time of COVID, through the time of isolation and and we really began to adapt to to possibly new rhythms and patterns in our lives that we may or may not have com- have completely adapted to and remain in uh but God has taught me a lot uh about community and specifically belonging in the body of Christ which is what she belongs is all about because I think that uh a little bit about me I grew up in church I mean, I feel like I was in the nursery, you know, as soon as I could be, you know, once you got like your eight week shots, I was in the nursery and just grew up in a local church and have attended one my whole life. And I think that belonging in the body of Christ felt at times more like something I was supposed to do, possibly even felt like a burden. And what God has taught me is the great blessings of belonging in the body of Christ. And that's really what She Belongs is about. It's about not like what we're supposed to do or why we're supposed to do it, but more about the heart of our of our God and the gift of the body of Christ that He has given us and the gift of belonging that He has given us in the body of Christ. Yeah, that is so profound. I 100% agree with you about the pandemic, even if we didn't want to connect, right? Uh, it kind of forced us to in a way, but I I want to ask you this, you know, being on social media, right? Community is so vital. I mean, Jesus, you know, didn't walk by himself. He, you know, we talk about how he he got a tribe, man. And I know there was more, you know, biblically, there was more than 12 disciples. We just have those main ones. So he had a church, he had community. And, and with that being said, you know, I know that I have been burned by community. And Mm -hmm. then with the pandemic, you kind of find, I think what I heard is that you, you find out who your real friends are, and then we all leaning on social media. So I want to stay on on social media and then I'll go to my next question. But um, with us having to lean on social media and then coming back, uh, I've like seen tests where people are actually more lonely now than they had ever been. And we are more connected than we had ever been. And so I'm curious, what are your thoughts about 
people always engaging with each other, engaging, but are still feeling that loneliness. Like, Mm -hmm. why is that? Hold on, girl. I know you're loving today's episode. Before we jump back in, let's get real about something any of us face. Do those nagging self-doubts, imposter syndrome, the fear of rejection ever hold you back from being bold in your business, in your relationships, in the world, especially when you're aiming to align with your mission for Jesus? Well, here's the scoop. My Confidence Connection two-day virtual workshop is your compass to navigate those challenges. We're rolling up our sleeves to tackle imposter syndrome head on, kick the fear of rejection to the curb, empower you boldly to align your business with your mission for Christ. And we're not stopping there. In this workshop, I'll equip you with practical strategies, silence those confidence killers. You'll walk away with actionable steps to conquer self-doubt, slay imposter syndrome, confidently shine your light for Jesus in your business and ultimately in your life. And the exciting part, you could snag a bundle of confidence boosting goodies, like my confidence code quiz, my ebook, five days to a more confident you, a coffee on me, or a few, and a sweet discount code for our inner circle and even more surprises. Don't wait another second. Visit ashleyhenriot.com workshop right now to secure your spot. Let's conquer those confidence killers and the challenges. Line your business with your mission and boldly shine your light for Jesus with practical strategies in hand. I'll even link it in the show notes for you. So don't forget to check that out after this episode. I love this question. I love what you have pinpointed here. And I love that you use the word engaging because as I wrote She Belongs and studied about this and and heard all the statistics, like what you're saying, I stumbled upon, God brought me to the word engage. And there are actually two definitions for the word engage. And I think this answers your question this answers this situation that we find ourselves in engaging on social media because the one definition of engage carries the idea of participating so we're participating in something and i think that we can apply that to what's happening on social media you know we're participating in a post by leaving a comment or you know uh reacting however we react you know we're participating there but there's another definition of engage and that definition carries the idea of investing so we move beyond mm. the place of simply participating and that's what we're longing for and that is what we are missing we are not wired to simply participate We are hardwired because we are created in the image of God. We are hardwired and designed to invest ourselves in something and be invested in. And Mm. that just can't happen if we limit our connection to social media. Investment happens face-to-face. 
investment happens shoulder to shoulder or when we sit across the table and we listen carefully and all the way through and we get more than 60 seconds of content, right? That we have to have more than what we get on social media to truly invest in one another's lives. And then the thing about belonging in the body of Christ is that we are investing in one another's lives. But as we invest in one another, what we're ultimately doing is investing together in the greater mission of belonging to Jesus Christ. So this investment thing goes even further. We invest in one another, but then collectively we invest in God's calling on us as individuals and collectively. So there is something more than simply engaging on social media. Not that that's all bad, not that nothing good can come from that, but we we are designed for more and we do need more. Yeah, so good. So good, Katie. And, and, you know, within the body of Christ and from my own experience, you know, I think right now, I know right now, and I'm sure you would agree with me, the community is vital now more than ever. And I believe that God is starting a revival where we need fellowship. We need to lean on one another. And the pandemic, though it had its positives in this regard. It also had a a lot of negatives where people became accustomed to isolation and loneliness. And now, like I I personally joked with a friend a year back uh, because we had just moved after the pandemic, transition, all the things. And I said, I believe that we are relationally retarded Mm -hmm. for two reasons, which I want to talk to you about is that Let's be real, especially in the Christian community in the church. People have been burned. I have felt this and it is, it's a hurt like no other. Right. And I don't want to invalidate that hurt, Mm -mm. you know, because I think that there's two, there's a few reasons and people have this expectation of the church. uh, And, Mm -hmm. and I can understand that to a, a certain point, but with that being said, what are your thoughts on people moving forward in that who have experienced that kind of deep hurt in in those relationships like how do you move on practically into that like oh yeah Katie I know I need community but you know yeah I do Ashley and you have you nailed it I think you described it really well um I understand those feelings well and when you say it is a pain like no other, I agree with you. And I think when you said about the expectations, that's a huge part of it because I think we, we're just not as surprised when we get burned by people who don't follow Jesus. But when we look at someone and we believe them to be people who love Jesus and desire to follow him, and then they act in ways that seem very unlike Jesus. And we are the ones that have to absorb the fallout from that. It can leave you a little stunned. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to answer your question about practically moving forward. But before I do, I want to say this, because if you are feeling that right now, or uh, if you have felt it and you're still feeling it, or if you're about to feel it, Here's what I want to say. I think that instinctively, when things like that happen, 
with other believers in Jesus, we instinctively feel unsafe and we believe that the place of safety is separation. So we're like, we were, we were belonging and we got burned. So I need to distance and we back away instinctively. We, we recoil a little bit because that place hurt me and I don't want to be there anymore. And so I want to acknowledge that's normal. I think that's a very normal response, but I want to say this and I want to say it not out of don't get this wrong, not out of, I I hope you don't hear me as someone trying to tell you right or wrong. I'm telling you this from very personal experience and um, it's what I've learned. When we lean away and we separate ourselves because we feel like we're safer there, we have actually put ourselves in the most vulnerable place for an enemy attack. The reality is our enemy, Satan, Bible talks clearly about him. He is the enemy of our savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore he is the enemy of us because we are in Christ as followers of Jesus. Our enemy knows that we are the safest when we actively belong in the body of Christ and in community with other believers. He also knows that we are the most vulnerable to his attack when we are separated. I mean, it's kind of that scene from the Discovery Channel, right? Or, you know, one of those one of those channels that talks about all the wildlife and you see the herd out on the plains and there's a lion in the bush and the lion doesn't attack the herd. The lion finds the one Ooh. that has wandered from the herd. That is it's, good. It's natural predator prey. And the Bible describes our enemy like a lion prowling around seeking for someone to devour. Oh, going to try to say he's going to try to separate us. So I want to give you that so that when you feel that instinctive desire to get away and separate, I want you to pause and don't necessarily run to the one that hurts you. I'm not saying that. But press into Jesus, the one who called you into the body, the one who identified you as his and therefore brought you in to belonging in his body. Press into him. And so practically, Ashley, to answer your question, that's really where it starts. Because what happens if we try to begin horizontally with the one that has hurt us or the place we have been hurt, it's not usually going to work. We've been wounded. And when you are wounded physically, You don't just keep going. You do what needs to be done for the wound to heal, whether that's going to see a doctor, whether that's going to the emergency room, whether that's just finding some antiseptic and a Band-Aid, you have to tend to the wound. And we, when we start with each other, we're most likely not going to receive what we need. We have to start with our Savior, who is our healer. So start there. Move towards Him. Don't move away completely. Move closer to him, bring it, every bit of it, every thing that you think you're not supposed to feel, bring it to him, say it, read the Psalms. David's really, really clear about how he feels about some things. We can be honest with God about what's, what is hurting in our heart and how we feel about it because he already knows it and he can handle it and he can take it. So we have to start there. I think those are the times 
that we hold on to Titus to him. And I'm going to tell you practically something that I do is I tell God exactly how I feel and I tell him exactly what I wish would happen. And then I follow that with, but more than anything, do in my heart what needs to be done in my heart. Yeah. Give me a heart that honors you, that thinks like you, that feels like you, that sees this from your perspective. Heal me so that I can continue in the body. And then ultimately what will happen is that as he heals us, there will be others that we can then extend that grace to, that mercy, that wisdom, that compassion, because we have been healed as we've walked through something that we can now move towards them as they experience something that we know about. Yeah, so good. And when, you know, I fully believe, you know, this, the Lord allows us to go through these painful processes, not just for our own healing, but we connect with others on their healing journey. If we didn't walk through that, we're not relatable. You know, Jesus Mm -hmm. had to go through the pain. He had to become flesh. He had to become man. He had to feel rejection and disappointment. You know, if anybody was, he would walk by these people that denied him, that betray Mm him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he still forgave. And so if anyone understands this, it's Jesus. And we are to be like Christ in Christ. And with that being said, some believe to be a follower of Jesus and you have to look the same like every other Christian, right? We have this uh, perception, not only of what church is, like we talked about, but what does a Christian look like? And you say Mm -hmm. it's important for us to understand what exactly oneness is and Mm -hmm. what it's not. It's important. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to share uh, more about how the Bible defines the oneness. Yeah. Uh, I love that, Ashley, because I do think that sometimes when we talk about being in Christ, we apply this, these generalizations to what that is. And I love how you were talking about those who walked with Jesus. Uh, You've mentioned that a couple of times now. We talk about his disciples on earth. And if we want to talk about the concept of oneness, I think that's a really great place to begin because the way I say it is that oneness is not the, oneness does not equal sameness. And sometimes we want to define oneness as sameness. So what that means is, you know, we all drive the same cars. We all live in the same neighborhood. We all have the same color hair and the same, we dress the same way. We have the same number of kids. They all go to the same school, right? We have all, we do everything the same. And that is not the definition of biblical oneness. That is not what we have been called to in the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul lists a lot of ones. He talks about one baptism, one God and father, one faith. And and I'm just listing a few. He uses that word one over and over and over. Also in John chapter 17, which is a huge part of what God has used in my life to really teach me about oneness in the body of Christ and how important it is. In John chapter 17, this is the chapter just before Jesus's betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. And in that chapter, Jesus is praying and he prays three times that his disciples would be one. And he prays that they would be one as he and his father are one. So oneness is not sameness. 
the way I like to say it is that oneness in the body of Christ is the place where unity holds hands with uniqueness because we have all been uniquely created by God and for his purposes. We, we do not have to lay down our uniqueness to be one in the body of Christ. The unity comes with the uniqueness of each member of the body of Christ. One of my favorite examples of this is something that we do at my local church. We call it Rock the Block. And it's like, if you're familiar with Vacation Bible School, it's a lot <laughs> like that. It, it, we go, we just, we just do it with a twist, I guess. But we go out into the community uh, you know, just kind of in a central location. And we usually go for four or five nights in a row. And we we do all kinds of things. We have Bible stories. We have an arts and crafts station. We have a bounce house and food and recreation and all sorts of things. And it takes the entire body of the local body of believers at my church. It takes all of us. And we do not all do the same thing. We have greeters that are very organized people that welcome, that keep track of our kids that are coming and who's dropping them off and who's allowed to pick them up. Really important stuff, really important stuff. And it can be a madhouse right there and they handle it, you know? And then we have Bible story teachers. And then these are my favorite people. They're the arts and crafts people. Honestly, I would rather clean a bathroom than, than do a craft. Like yeah, you've I mean, got girl, to be kidding me. don't give me craft. <laughs> I've never liked it. And I was a teacher. And I was like, I wasn't an art teacher. Okay. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Stresses me out, but they, they are in their zone and the things that these kids create, you know, it's so amazing. Mm -hmm. And then of course we've got the young kids that are out there running around in the hundred degree Texas heat playing kickball, you know, (laughs) and, and then we have an entire food team that feeds like hundreds of kids dinner every night. And I love to go out to rock the block and just watch and watch all of these different people unite under one name, one God and Father, one Lord, one Jesus Christ. And because we are united under one Lord and Savior, each special part does its own special work And people are shown the love of Christ and told that he loves them and wants a relationship with them. And one person couldn't do it. And a hundred people that were all the same couldn't do it. But that's the oneness. It's not that we're all the same. It's that we're all united for one purpose, one goal under one name. And ultimately, the way that Jesus, when he prayed, he prayed that we would be one as he was one with his father. And the way that Jesus demonstrated oneness with his father is by having one will. And that was the will of his father. Jesus laid down his own will time after time after time for the sake of the will of his father. So when we talk about oneness in the body, we can really narrow it down to one question. Whose will am I trying to do today? Yeah. Or in this moment, is it about my will or is it about the will of my father? Yeah, that's so good. I think we should sit in that for a second. You're saying so many nuggets of, of, of greatness, but I'm so, I'm so, um, 
appreciative because I'm very practical, right? And I love how you are explaining this. You know, when you go back and you're like, when we talk about in Jesus, right? I feel like a new Christian would be like, what are you talking about? Right. And the way that you're breaking this down is phenomenal. And I want to get back on the book with that because this is just half of what's in your devotional and how you have divided it. And I want to ask this question. Um, and it's a little bit personal uh, about what really motivated you within this book of She Belongs. And it's um, talking about you losing your dad, which I'm sorry. I, I'm, I, I'm very sorry about that. Um, and this was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I know that you express how you cherished um, the mm-hmm. last words he shared with you. Mm-hmm. Um, man, and Jesus' last words are also held on to. Mm-hmm. I just would love for you to talk about, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but what are those words mm-hmm. and how do they connect back to this community that you're so passionate about? Well, so it's been more than three years now since so fresh. I, I'm sorry. It, well, uh, you're sweet to say it's fresh. I think sometimes we hear three years and it feels like a long time ago. And the reality is, is this, there's not a lot from three years ago that I remember. <laughs> you know, I would really, if you asked me about something that happened three or three and a half years ago, I would probably have to sit and think about it for a minute, but not this. I can't remember um, yesterday sometimes. <laughs> right, right. Um, but this day, this day that happened three and a half years ago is still vivid in my memory. And I, I mean, vivid to the point, I remember the shoes I was wearing. I remember my entire outfit. I remember how I walked in the room. I remember every detail about the room. We were in a hospital room uh, with my dad and my sister and my mom, when I say we. And uh, we did still have a few weeks left with dad after this particular day, but it was on this day that he gave us his last words. Um, the, the next times that I would be with him uh, would be more of him fighting um, for life. And so... Mm-hmm. There was a bit of an understanding in the room, not really because of us, but because of how he behaved that he knew he would be giving us some of his last words. And and for me, uh, this was the first time that I had truly experienced that. And it was really not something I had to think much about. I knew how I wanted to behave in that moment. And I described this in She Belongs. But we had been in the room having casual conversation. I was kind of reclined in my chair a little bit, comfortable. And then he started talking and we knew, we knew what he was doing. And instantly my posture changed. So I went from a reclined, comfortable position to not just sitting up straight, but leaning. I scoot up to the edge of my chair. I couldn't have gotten any further out of the chair without falling out of it or standing up. I got all the way to the edge of the chair and then I still leaned in to get as close to him as I could get because I didn't want to miss a word. And I leaned in and listened all the way through so very carefully. Um, he told he told us uh, he wanted us to take care of our mom, me and my sister. And, and he told us not to be sad, to which my sister was like, we're going to be sad, dad. Like, what are you, <laughs> but what he really wanted to, I, I love my sister in that moment. I was, <laughs> and I, 
but what he wanted is he wanted us to know he was going to be okay. So we didn't need to be sad for him. If we didn't need to be sad for him, we didn't need to be sad at all. Uh, He knew he was going to be with Jesus. And so he, as a father, wanted us to know that he didn't want us living sad after he was gone. He wanted us to live the fullness of life that we lived while he was here. And um, so he said those words and I leaned in and listened very carefully and I've treasured them and cherished them, but it's not just that. I have not just treasured and cherished his words. I remember them all the time. And when I remember them, I actually use them as a bit of a filter for my life. And I ask myself, am I doing this? When I remember his words, I ask myself, am I taking care of mom? Am I doing that well enough? There's something I need to do different so that I can do this better. When I find myself just feeling bummed out, which there's nothing wrong with grief. Please don't hear me say that. There is nothing wrong with grief, but I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged those in those moments as I remember his words. And as I'm encouraged by his words, I find the strength to continue on in what he asked of me. And so then that takes us to what I was talking about before in John chapter 17, because John chapter 17 really does record some of Jesus's very last words before he died on the cross for the sins of the world. He was sharing what was in his heart, what was most important to him. And what was most important to him is the oneness of his disciples. Three times he prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be one so that the world would know that God loved him and sent him and that God loved us. And when I consider the last words of my Savior, in light of what, I've, in light of what I learned from the last words of my earthly father, I have to ask myself, am I doing it? Am I pursuing oneness with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Because it was that important to Jesus. Is there something I can do better that I'm not doing? Is there a way that I can be more faithful to follow and carry out what he wanted me to do in the shadow of the cross, what he was praying about? And am I finding encouragement in that? And the strength, am I taking strength from what he called me to do and told me I could do because of who he is? Am I finding strength to continue as I consider his last words? And I think, you know, Ashley, you use the word passionate. That's why I'm passionate about it. Yes, there are blessings. There are abounding blessings because we have a loving father who doesn't tell us to do something that isn't good for us. But I'm not passionate just because I've had good times in the body of Christ. I'm passionate because I love Jesus. And to love Jesus is to love what he loves. And he loves his disciples and he desires for us to be one. Mm. That's so good. And and I want to go back on the loving Jesus because when we have that relationship with him is so vital because it's what really um, ignites us to go through the, the process of pain, which bursts passion 
for your purpose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's so vital. Like the Lord's not going to let us go around it. And the reason I want to say this, just hold on with me because I have a question, but you know, he's not going to let us go around the pain. Like we like to take shortcuts. We're like, I don't want to go through this again. You obviously love me enough to not make me go through this again. That was painful. That person hurt me. That disappointment hurt me. I, I don't want to do that. You don't want me to You love me. You want me to feel good all of the time, but that's not God at all because he knows so much more in depth of what we need than we do ourselves. And we need healing. We don't need a bandaid. Like you were talking about the wound. We got to, we got to really heal this thing, not cover it up. But what's so great is that when we look at the scar and somebody asks us what it is, we have a story and we have authority to speak in that area, which will only bring them closer to Christ, knowing that, wow, there's hope. I'm reachable. And it's because Mm -hmm. of that painful, but necessary process, which, you know, when I think of people being a coach, you know, I think of uh, clients that have felt like they were falling apart and Mm -hmm. that life is too heavy. It's just too Mm -hmm. heavy. And I would love to hear your take on how do they reach out to those around them for help? Because the natural reaction is -hmm. to isolate. Right. And I would love to hear your your thoughts and why is it crucial that they reach out for help? And why is it that we think it's safer to isolate and to say, stay separate? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I've done this. I get it. Um, and do mm-hmm. things on their own. Right. I know a little mm-hmm. bit of, uh, from that is like we just don't trust people. It goes, you know, like it goes hand in hand. Um, but why do you think this is crucial that they ask for help? And also on that end why it's so dangerous when they separate and isolate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when we separate and isolate, um, we're, we're more vulnerable to the enemy attack, which I said before, but it's also the place where Satan whispers things that are not true into our lives and separate right. There's no one to counter that with truth. We're not going to hear the truth from anywhere else. So we're just kind of, you know, I think sometimes we, can be quick to place uh, assumptions on people or our circumstances. And when we isolate, that's all we have. Like we're we're just going to sit with those assumptions that are, are almost never all the way true, right? There might be some of it, but it's almost never exactly what we think. Then we engage in a negative way, right? Right. And we engage in a negative, engage in a negative way. (laughs) Exactly. And then we assign to people, we assign them thoughts and feelings and intentions that are just not there at all. And so it, it feels like that, that the wound just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, to your point, a physical wound left untreated grows, it becomes infected, it spreads and it becomes more painful. And I think that's, I think that's the same thing when we withdraw and we separate, and then we don't let anyone attend to our wound. Uh, we don't bring it to Jesus. We don't allow help and comfort and compassion in from others. Then we're just setting ourselves up for a wound that will spread and infect more places in our heart and ultimately cause us more pain. It seems like it's that, that, that it seems safer, but, it, but it's not. And to answer your question about like, how do I reach out? Um, I want to say this, like, I think sometimes we feel like to reach out is to put it all out on the table. Like I've got to go 
all the way through to the depths of what's happening. And, uh, and I, who wants to, who wants to do that? Especially when you're in a very tender place that God is still healing inside of you. So reaching out can be as simple as number one, it truly can be as simple as discipline. I'm going to go to my small group, even when I don't feel like it, like that can be a simple step that you might not even feel like your feelings may not go with you, but you're choosing to trust. You're choosing to trust what God said in his word that you're never safe or separate. And so you go anyway. Um, After my dad died, I did that. Like I was broken and did not. I just didn't want to be around anybody. But I went to my small group on Wednesday night. I sat, I probably came in late. I know I sat in the back row and I know I didn't say a word because I really wasn't trying to engage. Didn't really want to. It was truly a discipline, just a rhythm that had been built into my life. And so I did it. At the end of that night, I had every intention of slipping out the back door unnoticed. And a group of women who are not my best friends, they are not women I go have coffee with. They are not women I text with ever. But they were, they're women that have been in that small group with me for a long time. And they circled around me, literally formed a circle around me. One of them probably said, are you okay? And I probably said, I'm, I'm good. I'm, or I'm fine. I talk about I'm fine and she belongs. I probably said I'm fine. And I will not ever forget the words of, of the second woman when she said, it's okay not to be okay, Katie. It's okay if you're not fine. And she meant it from the depths of her heart. I hadn't shared a lot with her because I just, I didn't, I didn't really want to, but she was aware enough that I had suffered a major loss. And by simply being there, God used those people to encourage me. So practically one step may be just simply doing what God has called us to do when we feel like it or not. I think another very practical step that we can take is if we, if someone says, how can I pray for you? We can answer them. It doesn't have to be, well, this is everything going on in my life. We can be vague about it. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay not to give all the details, but if we could just say, my family and I are going through something tough right now. And I would really covet your prayers. Boundary. And then we just, we share, we practically reach out, but we don't have to lay it all out there. We don't have to invite everybody into the deepest places of pain, but we also don't have to shut off and separate completely. Yeah. So those are just two kind of basic, I think, simple places to begin. Yeah. Practical, very practical. Mm -hmm. And with that, like, And then I want to go back into like the book and how you break down your devotional. But, you know, with that being said, you like it takes discipline uh, to, you know, even if you don't feel like it to go to the small group. Uh, But it also Mm -hmm. takes discipline not to to do of two of the opposite, depending on your personality. Like if you do kind of feel like you have to share it all to discipline yourself to I don't have to share it all and give yourself permission, Mm -hmm. not only not to be okay, but. You don't have to share every detail. It's okay. You can keep some things to yourself. And then on the other end, if you have a problem with sharing and you're the I'm fine 
kind of person. Discipline yourself to share just enough to let somebody in, which brings me to the question, Kate, Kate, like how does one deeply experience, and I'm sure you have practical advice, belonging in the body of Christ, because you have proven to us it is so vital. It is so Mm -hmm. vital to be in community. And this is probably not a popular answer, but the truth is to, to truly experience deep belonging, it is commitment over time. You know, I think about, I think about my family. So I'm a mom of six, so me and my husband and our six children and, um, we're tight, you know, <laughs> I can do a lot Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, I argue with these people regularly, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we, we have disagreements often. We do not <laughs> see eye to eye often. This includes my husband, right? We've been married almost 20 I get years it. now, me and my yeah. husband, and we disagree and we don't see things the same way and we have to figure it out. And we go through, we go through tough times together. And those are the people I'm closest to in my life. So the reality is we don't think so, but deep belonging comes when we stick it out together. When we go through not just the easy and the good and the seems like smooth sailing times, but when we struggle together, right? Uh, When we, when we go through the the times that don't feel as good, uh, or when we keep going back, when we don't feel seen or we don't feel known or we don't feel heard, but we remain committed because we're committed to our savior. That's where we all, it always begins and ends with him. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It always comes back to Jesus. We don't quit because he is our savior. And this is what he said. Now, I do think in these conversations, it's important to say, like, I know that there is, there is, there is, there are things that happen in the body of Christ, like abuse and trauma. And I'm not talking about any of that. That is always to be handled very differently. That is none of what I'm speaking about. These things apply to just us and the normal things that happen when you live in relationship with people (sighs) and when we live in relationship with others in the body of Christ. Um, But yeah, I think the deepest belonging comes, I'm going to say two things, one commitment over time, but two, some of the ways to really advance, I think advance that, that deep sense of belonging in a, in a local body of Christ is to serve alongside one another. Um, worshiping together is great. Getting in God's word together is great. But some of the deepest roots of belonging that have been, that have grown in my life have come while I served with others in my local body. Um, while we worked side by side, we strove side by side together for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, that's good. Deep experiences mean serving one another. Mm-hmm serve, serve someone else, even when you don't feel like it show up, even when you don't feel like it, even, you know, in defining serving along somebody, you know, you, you talked about your church and what you guys did. Everybody had a 
I love how this is all in alignment and all connected. Girl, it's so good. It is so good. <laughs> um, and I want to, you know, end us on the book and how you break it down, you know, for in practical ways and applications for how people can read your devotional. But I love how, you know, when we talk about serving, it's not like this in-depth, like long, you're signing over your life. You already gave it to Jesus. Okay. You already said yes to Christ and serving and he called us to serve. And it's just natural for us when we're renewed to want to serve other people. He gives us that desire in our heart. And and it looks like maybe like going and getting, making coffee with somebody, right? Like maybe you are having a hard time and your friend who's been trying to have coffee with you doesn't know you're having a hard time because they're having a hard time. And you finally say yes. And you guys connect serving each other in that very safe space of you connecting in that hard time. And so I think that we like to look at serving like I'm not working in the children's ministry. Okay. Like it's not always about that. Right. Yeah. Like it's not. And also I loved, there was a season of my life that I loved doing children's ministry and people will have those seasons of life or those times in their life where they have that flexibility. Um, But, you know, just kind of take it to Jesus. Take it to mm-hmm. Jesus. Ask him every day for an opportunity to serve so you truly can, can stay connected and experience the community in the body of Christ on a deeper level because we truly do need each other. I'm so grateful that you have defined truth in this. People need this. It is breakthrough for getting back into those, getting out of uh, being relationally retarded. <laughs> I hope I can say that without being canceled. Everybody knows what I mean. Um, but getting back into those really healthy relationships, not the surface ones, but the deep ones that have the issues, but working through them because we're founded in Christ. Um, but back to your devotional. Okay. She belongs. Um, so with areas called things like work it out, um, digging in. I love it. I love the practical. I could just hug you because I'm a practical kind of girl. Okay. Um, I would love for you. Yes. Talk about each section and how you guide readers through the stories and scriptures into practical applications. And then um, when you do that, just tell us where we can find the book, um, any other goodies, where they can connect with you um, and all the things, all the things that you offer. Thank you. Yes. So I'm a busy woman and I think many of us are. So I really to try to break it up to where, so it's a five week study, like in the book, but if you need it to be 10 weeks, it can be 10. And that way you don't, you know, there's because of these sections, you can just take bite-sized pieces if you want to. So we have the digging in section, which really dives a little deeper into the subject that we're covering for the day, whatever that is. And then the work it out section is the application. Okay. So what are we going to do with what we just dug into now? How are we going to take that into my day-to-day life because I'm huge that way too, Ashley. Like I want to know what I need to do now about this. And so I hope that it is digestible. That's really a goal of how I write that it can be something that we can jump in and out of if we need to, because we can just, we just want to find time to get it in our lives. And, um, and so you can go to, for my audio uh, my audible people, shebelongsbiblestudy.com will take you where you need to go to get a copy of the study. You can find it online at, at where you normally buy books. But if you go to shebelongsbiblestudy.com, it'll take you straight there too. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram. And I, uh, I have a podcast, The Best Day Ever Podcast. I also have a free download on my website, or you can also find it on Instagram of seven prayers to help you move from fine to flourishing, because that's also something we talk about how 
we can live a life that's fine. We can live a life that's handled. But when we belong in the body of Christ, it cultivates conditions in our lives that help us move from a life that's just fine to one that flourishes. And so I have a free download for seven prayers to help you move from fine, fine to flourishing also. Yeah. And I will link all of this in the show notes. Katie, I'm so honored to have you in the community. You're now part of this community. Okay. Just so you know, Um, you're in Texas, so you're super far away. So unfair, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I'm again, grateful. Thank you for sharing your story, uh, your wisdom, your experience with us. Um, just for random lighten up the mood and getting a little fun fact. Um, but if you could, and I want to end on this, if you could um, be watching anything or binging anything, if you binge TV <laughs> or read a book, okay, I'll be open. Um, what is it right now that you're you're binging or reading? Listen, I have to be real with you. Be real. You know, the NFL football season just started. So we have been so excited (laughs) that NFL football is back on. So I'm going to have to go with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I think we're all there. I'm I'm a college football connoisseur. I, you know, was raised half my life in Alabama. So roll tide. Um, I love me some college football. Real life. If I can be real, I watch NFL during the Super Bowl. So, but my husband watches it. My husband and my boys, like I have four kids, they have Monday night football nights where they create snacks and they all watch and that's where they stay up late. So they, they have a thing. And then I just, I read or binge TV. Okay. Well, Katie, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much again for coming on the Confidence Connection. You guys, I will link her book, her devotional her guide, all of the things where you can connect with her in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out, subscribe so you don't miss an episode um, and leave a review and go give my new friend some love as well so she can continue to help grow the kingdom of God in community connected to Christ. As we wrap up another heart to heart episode, of the Confidence Connection podcast, remember your connection with Christ isn't a lofty goal. It's your daily lifeline. If today's chat has you nodding in agreement, hallelujahs and amens along with it, or maybe even chuckling, show us some love, subscribe and leave a review. It's like a virtual high five. It helps us keep these conversations as down to earth and as relatable as your morning coffee. And speaking of practical strategies, conquering confidence killers, consider joining us at our Confidence Connection Workshop. We'll equip you with actionable steps to silence those confident crushing doubts, slay imposter syndrome, and confidently shine your light in your business. You're a part of our incredible community now, and I'm here to uplift you and connect with you. Till our next aha moment together, stay real, stay faith-fueled, and always remember your confidence in Christ is the practical guide to a joyful and purpose-filled life.